0: Hello everyone, and welcome to the Three Ball. I'm your host Samuel or Sam, and in today's podcast, I'm going to be doing the Washington Wizards off-season guide. If you all don't know how these off-season guides work, I basically just give advice on what team should do this off-season based on the logistical outlook of the team, which is salaries, first round, yeah, salaries, first round picks, depth charts, ca- salary, contract links, stuff like that, and then obviously player personnel as well, because that is. Equally, if not more important than anything else. So that is the plan for today. I do want to very, very, very briefly touch on Heat-Celtics Game 5. Boston got another one. Now, obviously Miami still has two more tries, but so does Boston. So does Boston. The series is far from over. Obviously Miami missed Gabe Vincent, but injuries happen, right? You gotta hope for him to come back for Game 6, because they needed him. Boston won with a a well-rounded attack. I'm not sure you're going to get that every night, so you're going to probably still need bigger performance out of guys like Tatum and Brown, but still, those guys played well. But if you could get more, like 30-35 out of them, then you're going to maybe be able to beat a full-strength Miami, even if other guys on the team aren't doing what they did last night. So that's all I want to say about Boston-Miami for now. I will get more on that on that series later. You know, I, I'll do another conference finals video slash finals preview. I'll, I'll, don't worry about it. That'll, that'll get to y'all soon enough, but we're going to go ahead and start with this Wizards offseason guide. If y'all are watching this on YouTube, there's going to be a screenshot popping up on your screen right now, if you're just listening to this, I will explain what's going on. So the first thing for the Wizards is the depth chart with salary, links, and details. So at the point guard position, starting is Monte Morris, he has one year left. Behind Monte Morris is DeLon Wright, who also has one year left. Behind behind DeLon Wright is Kendrick Nunn, who's free agent this offseason. Starting at shooting guard is Bradley Beal, he has 4 years left on his deal, including a player option for that last year. Behind Beal is Jordan Goodwin, he has 2 years left, including a team option. Behind Goodwin is Corey Kispert, he has 2 years left, including a team option, before he hits restricted free agency. The Behind Kispert is Johnny Davis, he has 3 years left, 2 of them team optioned, and after that restricted free agency. Starting at small forward is Kyle Kuzma. He's got one year left, but that is a player option this offseason, so he could be a free agent if he declines that option, or he could be back in the team for one year if he accepts it. Behind Kuzma is Corey Kispert, we already talked about him. Behind Kispert is Denny Avdia. He has one year left before he becomes a restricted free agent. And behind Denny Avdia is Xavier Cooks. He has three years left, including a team option. Starting at power forward is Kristaps Porzingis. He's in the same boat as Kyle Kuzma. One year left, including a player option for this offseason, so he could be a free agent this offseason if he chooses to be one. Behind Porzingis is Avdia. We already talked about him. Behind Avdia is Anthony Gill. He has one year left. Behind Gill is Isaiah Todd. He has two years left, including a team option. Starting at center is Daniel Gafford. He has three years left on his contract. Behind Gafford is Porzingis. Behind Porzingis is Todd Gibson, who will be a free agent this offseason. So that is the contract length outlook. Moving on to the salary cap table, so this is the salary cap table saying that Porzingis, Kuzma, both accept their player options that are back next year, and they let free agents walk. So this would, this would be what the salary cap table looks like. Bradley Beal is going to be making forty-seven million dollars next year, which that is just ridiculous. That's a ridiculous amount of money. But Bradley Beal making forty-seven million dollars. Kristaps is making $36 million, Kyle Kuzma's making 13, Daniel Gafford's making 12, Monte Morris 10, Delon Wright 8, Denis of Diaz 6, Johnny Davis 5, Corey Kispert 4, then Anthony Gill, Jordan Goodwin, Isaiah Todd, Xavier Cooks, 2 million apiece. Those are all roundeds, none of them are exact, but if you add all those up, that gives you a grand total of $149 million. That's not including that 8th overall pick who will come in and make a round. 6 million will be my guess, so that would put you at 155, with the projected salary cap being at 134, that 149 uh, figure will put them at minus 15 for the projected cap room, with the luxury tax being projected at 162, that'll have about 13 million dollars in projected luxury tax room. As for their first round picks, the Wizards have all their own first round picks, except one, in 2023 obviously they have the 8th overall pick this year, Next year, their pick is top 12 protected, and if it's not conveyed, it will be top 10 protected in, 20, in 2025. If it's not conveyed by then, it will be top 8 protected in 2026. After that, it's like second round picks or whatever, and that is a <coughs> that's a follow-up of the Russell Westbrook deal. So, And then after that, in 2025, 2026, 2027, 2028, and 2029, the Wizards have all of their own first round picks. No other teams, just theirs. No trades. All that belongs to the Washington Wizards, because this team really doesn't make any trades, as we can see. Um, the, the team's just okay with the roster whenever they have it. But yeah, that's most of the logistical stuff that I wanted to talk about. I'm going to now move on to more of a personnel approach and analyzing those numbers and contracts. So this year the Wizards had yet another mediocre season. They're really really good at being mediocre. This year they went 35 and 47. Kind of a bad place to be in. Got them 12th place in the East, tied with Indiana. Indiana got a higher pick. I'm not sure how that worked out where Indiana was a better number in the Eastern Conference but a higher draft pick. I'm not exactly sure how that ended up, you know, working out, but I'm not an expert on everything here. Um, I... Never mind. Uh, but yeah, they have the 8th overall pick this season. And the Wizards always seem to be in this sort of 8th pick through 10th pick range every year. And they sort of are all over the place. I mean, Denny Avdia was, what, pick 9? Corey Kispert, I think, was 15. Johnny Davis was 10. They always seem to be in this, like, weird, weird range, right? It's, it's, It's sort of a... That's, honestly, I would rather draft after that rather than in that range. And the reason for that is because... The best players, most of the time, are off the board. You can get some really good players at 8 through 10, but it's just more uncommon. You see guys in the later lottery, we've seen it recently, guys like Tyrese Halliburton, Tyler Hero, Bam Adebayo, there's more, those are just a few that I'm naming off the top of my head. There's obviously some good ones in the 8 to 10 range, but I just feel like there's not as many, and like I said, that's because the best players, like the bona fide, okay, this guy's going to be really, really good, those type of players are gone. They're off the board. But it's like too early to, like, sort of just shoot a shot on a player, you know, like a long shot, like this year the long shot might be a guy like Imani Bates, right, I don't think he'll go first round or anything like that, but he could, but a guy like him, right, if you draft, I, I'm just going to use him as an example, I don't think he'd go here, but let's say he did, right, it, it's sort of too early to take a long shot, because it's like, well, you have this 8-10 to 10 pick, you should be drafting a guy who is projected to be really good, but it's like, well, what if we don't want these guys? We'd rather just shoot a shot on a player. At The eight to ten, you're expected to get a good, good basketball player. Once you get to the later lottery, you know, ten through t- ten through thirty, basically the rest of the first round, you can sort of take a shot on a player. And if you miss, it's like, oh well, you drafted them at this slot. It's not a big deal. We never had this high of expectations, but. When you draft a guy here, if it's a long shot, and if he doesn't work out, it's going to look like a terrible pick because it's 8-10. to 10. That's a pretty—you would think that's a pretty good pick. But if you don't, like—basically, what, what I'm trying to say is that it's a tif- difficult spot because you feel like you have to draft a guy who's projected to go high because it's sort of too early to take a long shot when you still have some good players on the board. But those long shots could turn out to be superstars. They really, really could be. And those guys you draft, like Johnny Davis, for example, he was not good this year. He was simply put, not good. He was at number 10, and he was not good. Players like that, you know, who's projected to go high, he's shown done, done good stuff in college, maybe not the most NBA prepared, he comes in and doesn't do well. So it's just a tough range to be in. It's not good for the Wizards. And since the 2017-2018 season, which is, what, 18-19, 20-21, 22-23, the past six seasons, the Wizards have been been ranked at the end of the year from the 8th team in the East to the 12th team in the East. They have not been higher, they have not been lower, and... I, that, that's the worst range to be in. I'll always say that because that's just that's the range where you get these eight to ten picks. You get these weird late lottery picks where the chances of you jumping up are slim. Obviously, we saw it that one year, the Zion Jaw year, where the Pelicans and the Grizzlies both jumped up. That's rare. We haven't seen that a lot with the uh, first overall picks because in twenty in la- last year it was um uh, why am I drawing a blank on the first pick <laughs> last year it was Paolo Banchero. The Magic had a pretty good odds to get that. The year before that, Cade Cunningham, the Pistons had pretty good odds to get that. The year before that, Anthony Edwards, the Timberwolves had pretty good odds to get that. It was just the first year the Pelicans and the Grizzlies jumped up, which was, like I said, really unexpected. The Lakers even jumped up that year too, So we forget, but that pick, I believe, went to Atlanta, and that's how they got DeAndre Hunter. I could be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure that's how it went. So being in this eight to twelve range, like 8th to 12th place in the East, it's not good, you Combine that with the West, you're right in this 10 to 12, 10, 8 to 10 range. It's not really that good. If you make the playoffs, you'll be out of the lottery. That's how they got Corey Kispert. Because I think they were the 8th seed one year. Maybe I could be wrong. I I could be wrong. But like I said, it's a terrible spot to be in. You don't get high draft picks. You don't get playoff success. You don't get playoff opportunities. It's just really, really difficult spot to be in. And I think that this this upcoming offseason for this Washington Washington Wizards organization is going to be um, a really telling offseason cuz you I'm 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 interested to see what they do with their player options, how they handle those, how they handle the draft pick and how they handle the Bradley Beal situation. And I'm going to start with the Bradley Beal situation. And Bradley Beal, he's been in Washington for 11 seasons now. That's kind of crazy to think about that Bradley Beal's been in the league 11 years but he has not had any playoff success as the best player on the team. Obviously, he and John Wall worked fairly well together. That was still young Bradley Beal age. He was, you know, he was the second hand. He was the Scotty Pippen to John Wall's Michael Jordan. They weren't that good, but just use it as a reference. That's sort of how they were. That's how sort of how they operated. But once Wall got injured and eventually left, they really haven't had a lot of success with Beal as the best player, and I don't think that's a fault of Bradley Beal, personally. I just don't think the team around him is, has ever been good. Simply put, it has not been good. Even the John Wall days, that, the, the rest of the team was not good. It, it was not a good basketball team. They just had t- the top two guys, and that was kind of it. And then they lost number one, and then Bradley Beal became the number one. They go trade for Russell Westbrook, right? He was okay. And then they trade you traded him at the perfect time, so that was a good move. But like, you're just slowly like it's just trickling out, right? You went from John Wall, who was really really good, he went way down. You moved up to Westbrook. You moved up to Kuzma, KCP, who became Monte Morris. It it's sort of just spiraling. It's still going. <laughs> that the, 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 the you know what whatever I'm trying to say. The remnants of that trade are still around, and helping the team be better, but Bradley Beal is just always injured. He was injured again this year. He only played—let me check how many games he played really quickly. He only played 50 games this year. I think last year he only played like 40. He just deals with injury problems almost yearly, which is really, really sad. His um, his points have also taken a drop. This year and last year, he's down to 23.2. Both of these, when he's down at 23.2. Which, if you look at the two at, at years before these past two, he was averaging thirty points a game, bro. Averaging thirty points a game—that's pretty crazy—and they that went down. Not a good sign. And at this point, he's a twenty-nine-year-old, about to be thirty-year-old shooting guard who's making a ton of money. I think that you should explore a trade if possible. But like, these rumors have been around for a really, really long time. What was it? Two or three years ago, everyone's like, Bradley Beal's going to get traded. Bradley Beal's going to get traded. Trade deadline comes around. Bradley Beal still a Washington Wizard. I think that the most interesting Bradley Beal trade would be a trade to the Portland Trailblazers, trading Bradley Beal for Anthony, Anthony Simons and that third overall pick. And that might allow you to keep the eighth overall pick. Portland might want that back in return, but that will be an interesting thing, especially if Scoot Henderson's on the board. The difficult part of that trade will be making contracts work because Anthony Simons is making like 24 million, so you still need to make up about that contract all over again in order to make the contracts match. But I mean worst case they trade yousef Norkic as well they get back like a Daniel Gafford. That trade may have more complications to it. But the the Blazers do have some cap room so that trade might be able to work out just Simon's third pick for Bradley Beal. That trade may just be able to work out how it is, which would be a really that'll be a really interesting trade. I don't want to get into that the hypotheticals of that because it may not happen. That's just an idea I had. There's no research, no nothing behind that. Just a personal idea that I would like to see. And that I think could be a possibility based on the direction these two teams, I think, should try to take, because I don't know, both of these teams are in weird situations, so maybe the weird situation teams just help each other out, that would be an interesting, interesting idea, but at the end of the day, I expect Bradley Beal to be back in DC next year, he's, he's been there so long, so long, I don't think managements were willing to part ways with him, because they just <laughs> haven't in so long, it's you didn't a while ago, why would you now, right? The team you have now is better than the team you had a few years ago, but it didn't really work out this year. Maybe you try running it back next year. I'd, I don't know. Like I said, this team's in a really, really awkward situation, so we'll see what they do. Um, the free agents this year for this Wizards roster are Kendrick Nunn and Todd Gibson, and I think that both are going to walk. I don't think either one's an instrumental part to this roster. Both of them... I mean, Kendrick Nunn's, I think, 27? That's my guess. He is 27, I got it right, um, and Todd Gibson's 37, so I don't think Todd will be back. Nunn could be back, but when I when I get to the draft, I will explain why I don't think Hen- Kendrick Nunn should be brought back. The draft is before free agency, so you can make decisions then. Other potential free agents this offseason are Kristaps Porzingis and Kyle Kuzma, since both of them have team options that they could decline. And initially, I would have expected Porzingis to accept his team option, right? It's $36 million. He's not going to get $36 million from any other organization at, at this point. I think that's probably going to be the biggest contract in his NBA career. So I would expect him to say, hey, I want that money for one more season, and then I'll take my chance within free agency. Um, but, I mean, the, the reason why he would decline this—I'll I'll get to this later— is I guess he might want to lock in like a long-term contract— that would just assure himself, you know, a lot of money for a lot of years. Which is not a bad idea. It's never a bad idea to make sure you're financially secure for the next however many years. And for Kuzma, my expectation was that he would decline that option. It's $13 million. He was going to get more than $13 million in free agency. I can almost guarantee it. You know, he'll get more. But the reason why I use the words like would and expectation is because I did some research, and it said that it looks like both of these guys are you know, planning to decline their options and re-sign with Washington, which kind of makes sense. I mean, maybe if you're a guy like Kuzma, you would have wanted to go somewhere else, but I I mean, I don't think he's going to get at a bigger role on a more competitive team. I just think the way he plays, I mean, he's a really good player, right? We've seen him on teams with LeBron James. I think he's happy as the first, second, third option, depending on who's in the lineup. He'll be the first, second, or third option. Honestly, probably the second on offense. Porzingis might need the ball a little bit more, I think. Kuzma might have a little bit better shot creation skills than Kristaps might, but both of them are expected, like I said, to decline. Their options and signed contracts to come back to Washington. This would eat up the rest of Washington's luxury tax room, so they can't really bring in any free agent, so that dream's kind of dead. Unless you trade Bradley Beal, which there's a chance, but I don't think they will. So, if they, let, let's just say that they <clears throat> get Kuzma Porzingis back. They have Bradley Bill on the roster. The one position, I, I, I like Daniel Gafford. The one position that I think that you need to work on that's been needing work since, John Wall, since Russell Westbrook left, because Westbrook was good in Washington. Let's not disrespect him. He was good in Washington. I think they need to draft a point guard. And I, I think if they draft a good point guard, they can be competitive immediately, because the point guards in this draft that are at the top or Anthony Black, and or Cason Wallace, they could be available at 8, and if they are, I think you draft one of these guys, because both of them are guys who can come in, I think they're NBA ready type of guys, I think the way they play, they can come in and do well in the NBA, I think Anthony Black seems to be the guy who's projected to go a little bit higher than Wallace, but I think both of these guys are pretty good. I know more on Wallace because I'm a Kentucky fan. Wallace is an incredible defensive guard, which I think would fit really, really well with this Washington team. I think I think Case Wallace would be an incredible draft pick. I don't think they'll take him, but they hey they've had success with another good Kentucky point guard. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. And I like I said I both think that I, I think that either one of these guys could come in and start over Monte Morris, and he's he's shown he's really good backup. He did that in Denver for a lot of years, not not last year because Jamal Murray was injured. But he did it for a lot of years in Denver, and he was pretty good. And speaking of uh, Monte Morris, if a point guard is drafted, a trade for him could even be, you know, explored. You could think about it. You could entertain it, work on. If it's there, maybe you pull the trigger. If it's not, sort of chill out. Not a big deal. He averaged, uh, how much did Monte Morris average this past season? He averaged 10.3 points, 5.3 rebounds, 3.4 assists, 48% from the field, and 38% from three. Some pretty... Pretty solid numbers, honestly, and he only averaged one turnover a game. So some pretty consistent numbers from Monte Morris. And if that's a backup point guard, I think you're even happier. So I think that this could be attractive to, to some NBA teams. I think the teams would want Monte Morris's services. The only you know the only negative is that he's on a one-year deal. But if he goes to the right place, I'm sure that that could be figured out. And plus, if they do trade Monte Morris, they already have a good backup. They have DeLon Wright. He's a really backup, a really solid backup guard. I think he's, man, he's a fairly tall guard, if I'm not mistaken. So I think that he could handle some of these backup point guard, backup shooting guard responsibilities. He's 6'5". He can run both positions. That'll be fine for him. I'm not worried about him playing either one. So I think that Wright could even be traded instead of Morris. I think either one could be traded if they do draft a point guard. Or like I said, DeLon Wright could be shifted to a backup too, but that would take minutes from other guys like Jordan Goodwin. It, w- it would just, yeah, whoever they draft is going to take somebody's minutes, because that's just how the NBA goes, and I think whoever they draft will likely be more important to the team than whoever's minutes they're taking, that's just my take on it. Um, I'm going to move on now to some of the younger pieces on this roster, who could be traded alongside Wright or Morris, potentially, but I think that the team should continue to develop them further. I don't think any should be traded, but there is potential for it. And those guys I'm talking about are Denny Dia, Corey Kispert, and Johnny Davis. Denny Dia, he's constantly progressing. He's up to 9.6 rebounds a game. His efficiency is still not where you would want it to be. 43% from the field, 30% from three. That's really not good. I mean, 44% from the field, not 43. I'll give I'll, I'll give Dia the nice rounding. Thirty percent from three is not good when you're taking when when you're taking three attempts a game and you're making thirty percent. That's not a good sign. I'm sure he'll work on that this summer, but he needs to improve that quickly if he wants to stay in this roster, be an important piece, get a, get a nice contract after next season. He's gonna want to improve that shot. Corey Kispert, he quiet like I have, I heard nothing about him all year. He quietly had a really really good season. Like, he actually had a really solid year. He averaged 11 points, but the the, the downside to Kispert is he's, other than a scorer, he's not really doing too much for you. He averaged about three rebounds, 1.2 assists. As a small forward shooting guard, he averaged 1.2 assists. Not ideal, but that's okay, because his shooting splits make up for that, I think. About 49.7% from the field, 42.4% from three. 85 percent of the free throw line, nearly 50, 40, 90 club, which is really impressive for a second year player. I really, really like that. I think you should continue developing him, develop his defense, develop the other parts of his game that aren't scoring, like rebounding, like assists. Rebounding, you should be fine if you have Porzingis and Gafford manning the paint. But if you can get him to be, a, you know, a better passer, get him to be a great passer, not a great, just just a better passer, that's going to help this team out a lot. And then. There's uh the the, uh, the one one more thing about Kispert is the only downside is that he's already 24 years old and he was an old rookie but hey sometimes you don't care about that. Sometimes you just take what you can get. He's a good basketball player. Doesn't matter if he's older older or not. And then the last guy who's young is Johnny Davis, There's younger other young uh, there's other young guys, but the last one I want to talk about right now is Johnny Davis and Obviously, he had a very, very poor rookie season. He averaged only 6 points, 2 rebounds, just not a good year for Johnny Davis. His shooting splits were pretty terrible as well, 38.6% from the field, 24.3% from 3-point range. Not great shooting splits. He spent a lot of time in the G League, but he did end the year averaging 17 points over the last 5 games of the year, when he was starting, but in those games, he was, I mean, honestly, he was shooting better than he did the entire season. He shot 39.5% and 26 points at f- 26 point, 26% from three, but he shot 17 shots a game, <laughs> so you're going to score a lot if you shoot 17 shots a game. He was just trying to make an impression, and when you're trying to make an impression, the percentages might go down. That's, that those those two things sort of go hand-in-hand, hand. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep it on the topic of young players, Another young player that is still looking good is Daniel Gafford. This season, Gafford Gafford averaged 9 points a game, 5.6 rebounds. He can't shoot, so he doesn't shoot. I don't think he shot... Literally, his three-point percentage is not popping up. I don't think he shot a single three this year. He may have shot one or two, but if it was, it didn't qualify. It wasn't enough, which makes sense. You don't want Daniel Gafford shooting a ton of threes, but from the field, he shot 73%. So Daniel Gafford takes smart shots, and when he shoots them, you can expect it to go in, but his stats this year were actually very very similar to the ones last year and even the year before after his trade from Chicago to Washington his stats in Washington are still pretty similar. So I think he is what he is. I don't know how much better he's going to get. But I th- I think he's a really really solid center. I think he'd be better used as a backup which he could be if you want to move Porzingis to the five, Kuzma to the four. That opens up a slot for Revdia, That opens up a slot for Kispert. That opens up even a slot if you wanted to eat, like move Bradley, build a three, and start Monte Morris and a point guard, or draft a different position. You have you have a ton of options. I think that Gafford works well as a starter, works well as a bench piece. I think you can sort of you know do whatever you want with him, which is a good thing. But you could explore a trade for him as well. You honestly could, but I think, like I said, I think he'd be really, really useful as a backup center, especially if they let Todd Gibson go. They won't have any real depth at that position unless they draft a center, which there aren't a ton of good centers in this draft besides the obvious Victor Wembanyama, who they're not going to get. But, uh, like I said, a gaffer trade will be something that would be interesting to look at, but it could happen. And then another young guy, Jordan Goodwin. Jordan Goodwin kind of burst onto the scene this year. He played couple games last year for the Wizards, but this year he sort of burst onto the scene. He averaged 6.6 points, 3.3 rebounds, 2.7 assists, 45% from the field, 32% from three. Not a bad year for Jordan Goodwin. He played 18 minutes a game. I hope that he has more minutes, more opportunity next year. However, that may not happen with all the moving pieces on this roster. Hope, like I said, my hope is that he can get a bigger opportunity because he played so well this year. I'd like to see how much better he can get with a out with a year of M- real NBA experience under his belt. I really like. I would really like to see his improvement. But like I said, that may not be in the cards for him for the team. Who knows? And then the last real guy I want to talk about is Anthony Gill. Um, he's been on the team three years now, and he really hasn't done too much in any of those three years. Which, that that's sort of just how it is. This year, he averaged three point three points, one point seven rebounds. He doesn't shoot threes, 54% from the field in total, and if he can't shoot, that's definitely going to hinder his, you know, long-term ability, abilities, and you know, usefulness to this roster, which isn't really good. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him off the team, by, via trade or via free agency next year because he's a free agent. But if he plays well enough, he could play himself into a contract. He could play himself into a contract. And uh, speaking of next year's free agents, this team has a lot of guys who are one, who, who are on one-year deals right now. You need to start deciding, or at least start thinking about which ones you want to, you know, bring back, which team options you want to accept. I think you need to start gauging sort of that this offseason. And those guys I'm talking about in particular are Gill, Gil, Morris, Dillon Wright, and Danny Evdia. I know that technically Kuzma and Porzingis could be on one-year deals, but I'm expecting them to decline and be back on the roster. That's my expectation based on the research that I did. But yeah, you need to decide which of those guys you're more invested in, which of those guys you want to bring back. Avdia has a team option, the other guys do not, so you'll want to make decisions. You can even extend some of them this offseason if you really feel the need. You can extend Denny Avdia. That would be something that I would not be surprised to see if Denny Avdia does get extended. So, that's basically the gist of what the Wizards offseason is going to look like. In recap... I think this offseason is going to, like I said, be very telling. It's going to show a lot of signs on which direction this Wizards team is going to go in. Sadly, I'm afraid I already know. It's just continue with this, you know, abundance of mediocrity. That's really what this team is full of, which isn't a good thing. You have good players. You have Beal. You have Porzingis. You have Kuzma. I don't know. It just it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work in today's NBA for some reason. I, I, I think it may be a Porzingis thing. But hey, they traded Porzingis out of Dallas. They made the conference finals, but hey, they didn't make the playoffs this year. Porzingis and 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 the Mavericks, so they're in the same boat there. So we'll we'll see what they do. It's going to be interesting to see who they keep, who they draft, who they trade away, or who they trade for. I don't think any big trades are going to happen because it's the Washington Wizards. Um, another thing that they need to do is they need to target a point guard in the draft, such as Anthony Black or Kason Wallace, who can come in and start immediately, and I think if you give them the proper opportunities, they can develop really, really nicely into a player who can, you know, really help this team for a long period of time. They also need to make sure that they can get Porzingis and Kuzma, you know, deals they like, deals that they're happy with, and deals that will, you know, keep them around for a nice long time. Especially if those are the guys that Washington believes in long term, and if not, you don't want you don't want to let them walk for nothing. That's all I'm saying. Is maybe you could explore a trade, but I don't think I don't think that either one of those guys will be traded. Uh, at least this offseason, maybe next offseason, but not not this one. And then the last thing they need to start deciding which young guys they're more invested in, and start gauging next season next offseason's free agency, uh, since there aren't a ton of free agents this offseason. Free agencies should not be too big for the Wizards this year because they, don't, they just don't have it. many, they won't have much money. It's really just bringing back poor Zingis and Kuzma as far as free agency goes. So yeah, that's basically everything for the Washington Wizards. If y'all did enjoy this podcast, make sure to show support on whatever streaming service you're listening on. Um, thanks so much for listening. Tomorrow we will have the, who's next? Utah Jazz is tomorrow. Thanks so much for listening, and until next time, I'm out.